0: Today's reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. These are commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul, and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The next reading is from Leviticus, chapter nineteen, verse eighteen and uh, seventeen and eighteen. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt. Do not sp- seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of God.
1: It's not working. Oh, there we go. Okay. Okay. All right, let me start over then. Three years ago, my wife and I were not here at this time uh, in, of the year. We decided to go and chase the sun and find A place where it wasn't raining and cold and wet like it is right now. So we went to Spain, southern part of Spain, and one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to go to Granada because my wife and I love to go to gardens, and there is one of the most magnificent gardens in the entire world. It's a garden. Uh, with a fortress on top of a mountain and it is called the Alhambra. And when it it was originally constructed hundreds of years ago, it was constructed in order to be a representation of paradise here on earth. And so we went and we looked at uh, the Alhambra and, and it was beautiful. It was it was really a, a wonderful place to uh, to look at and to uh, to see. It wasn't exactly heaven on earth, but it was a beautiful garden. And guess what? This last week on Wednesday, we wanted a, a rest for a little bit. We couldn't go to Spain, and we we saw on one of the channels on television that they were going to have a a nature program from. Uh, the Alhambra, and so we watched it, and, and it brought back memories. We saw the uh, once again some of the sights there uh, in Spain from this particular garden, and it was it was great. The very next day, <clears throat> I went off to school, and my school is up near Amsterdam, and I opened my uh, iPad. And in iPads, they have a little program they call Memories, and all of a sudden, up on the screen pops a picture of Alhamb- Alhambra, <laughs> and it wasn't a coincidence. The program selects photographs from uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the the I- iPad uh, and and creates this memory. And I looked at it and and. All of those memories flooded back to me. And I am almost immediately emailed to, to my wife Annette, who is down here in Delft, uh, and I showed her the picture that had just come up on my iPad. And not but one minute later, I get an email back from my wife saying, let's go there. And then I emailed right back and I says, okay. Well, we didn't actually make a decision to do that. It's not the right time and, and place. But we saw how, how immediately a photograph like that, an image, brings up all of this emotion, all of these feelings. And in this case, it was uh, wonderful feelings of, of a, a joyful uh, vacation that, uh, that we had had. And uh, with, uh, with, an I, with an iPhone, like this, you can, you can have all kinds of photographs. I checked this morning, and my iPhone has more than 2,000 photographs on it from several vacations and places we've gone and events that we have taken place in the past. And, you know, there's that old saying that uh, a picture is worth a 1,000 words. Well, if my 2,000 photographs on my iPhone, this little tiny iPhone, were worth 1,000 for each one, that would be 2 million words. Can you imagine that? Well, I don't really believe that a picture is worth a 1,000 words. I think a better case could be made of the opposite. That the word is worth a 1,000 pictures word of God is worth more than a thousand pictures. And that title, that's actually the title of a book that I read, The Word is Worth a Thousand Pictures, from a man named Reynolds who who makes the case, or tries to make the case, that the church needs to pay more attention to hearing God's word, and less attention to seeing images, and, and that type of thing. And it doesn't matter whether I agree with him or you agree with him. I think instead the apostle Paul would have agreed with him because the apostle Paul wrote to the Roman uh, church and he said said just as as Ilias had mentioned uh, earlier that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Uh, think about that. Faith comes through hearing, not through seeing photographs or images. It comes through hearing. And, and when you think about it, uh, when you see an image, like I saw an image from Alhambra, immediately all of those uh, feelings and thoughts come into your uh, mind. But if you are hearing the words, they come in one at a time, and it gives you a sense of discernment, a sense of being able to follow through and follow along. And uh, Paul didn't only say that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. He also said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind the renewing of your mind. Maybe if he was writing that today, he would have said something like, by rewiring your mind. (laughs) And I I heard the other week uh, when Pastor Yost talked about us rewiring our minds. Yes, rewiring our minds. And that traveling companion of Paul, (laughs) the good Dr. Luke, I think would also have agreed Uh, many, many times in his gospel and then again in the book of Acts, he talks about hearing Christ, hearing what Jesus said, hearing God's word. Time after time after time, uh, Luke talks about hearing and how people responded to it. But Luke didn't just make that up himself. He was getting that. He was getting that from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible. And I, I believe that that passage from, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, that passage that is called the Great Shema, Hear, O Israel, that passage, I think, was the underlying element of part of, of Luke in his thinking. And hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall diligently teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is the bedrock of of Judaism and their theology, of their witness. It is really, really foundational to to the way they think and the way they view God and understand Him. And I would have to say, I think it's foundational for us as well. And the the uh, the the rabbis and the scribes who preserved and protected this this Word of God, uh, when they. Were rewriting or writing it down onto the, the parchment, they set that verse, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, verse 4, they set it apart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord one. Six words in Hebrew. But they set it apart in a special way. The last letter of the first word, Shema, meaning here, they made it large. Larger than all the other letters. And then the last letter of the last word in that verse, one, uh, Echad, the Dalet, the D sound, they made that one large as well. So the beginning and the end of that verse have these large letters that mark off that particular verse. And I'd gotten to thinking about it, uh, uh, that, that uh, there's six words in this, this verse, and you would normally expect them to have seven, you know, that, that, that number of completion, uh, in, uh, in Hebrew thinking, in, the, in Israel's thinking. But there is a seventh word. Because if you take those two consonants and you put them together, it forms the seventh word, which is witness or testimony. And so, so for, for millennia, hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jewish people have looked to this verse and, and seeing how special it is. here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yes, very, very foundational. And one, that oneness, that oneness, I could, I could talk quite a bit about that oneness, but uh, uh, you can imagine if that word, echad, that word for one, give you some idea of it. When, uh, uh, when it's written in, in Genesis, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife and they become one flesh, it's the same word. It gives that idea of, of, of the bindedness, of the bindedness in love and in purpose and that's something of what what the, the text here means, that, that, that God is one. But hearing, hear, Shema, as it is in uh, in in Hebrew, uh, it it means more than just simply hearing. Uh, one of one of the my favorite authors, uh, Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs, as they say, of blessed memory, he passed away a year ago from cancer. Uh, but uh, Rabbi Sachs said that uh, that the, that word Shema doesn't mean just to hear. Uh, he said it cannot really be adequately translated into uh, into English. Uh, he says it means to hear. It means to listen. It means to pay attention, to understand, to internalize, to respond, and to obey. And it's all wrapped up in that one word, Shema, hear. And when I got to looking at what Rabbi Sachs had had said there, I realized that there is a progression. To hear is physical. You can go get a hearing test and and find out if you're hearing all of the the proper uh, frequencies. To listen, though, is to listen or to hear with purpose. To pay attention is to to, uh, hear with focus. To understand is to try to comprehend what you hear. To internalize it. To internalize it is to personalize it, to make it a part of yourself. To respond is to take action. And to, to obey is to take right action. Action that is right in the sight of God. So there's a, there is a, a flowing, uh, a, a, a progression in, in what he has written here. And if this passage speaks much more of the hearing uh, of God and, and not so much of the, the oneness of God, there is still a suggestion of that oneness of, of God, that, that God is deserving of all our love, that, uh, that there is a totality that is reflected in the love that he describes here, that is described uh, notice in verse 5, uh, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Uh, and once again, there's, there's a, a concentric idea here. You, you love the Lord your God on the inward part, uh, in your heart. And that speaks of the inner being, the thoughts, and the emotion. With all your soul, uh, is is a little bit different, and it and it moves a little bit further out. Two years ago, I uh, I spoke here uh, from the uh, the book of Jonah, and I talked about this word. It usually is translated soul, but it actually means uh, originally throat. It's because it's through the throat that we, that we breathe oxygen in and we give out the carbon dioxide. It's through the throat that we, that we drink water and take in food that gives us life. It's through the throat that we produce language and we communicate with one another. And so it took on the meaning of, of the whole person and the whole soul of a, of a, a person. The translation for, of all strength or all might uh, is a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult because the word that is used here is normally what we would call an adverb. It means very or much. Something is very good or uh, very bad. Uh, and there's only two times in the... It's, it's used a few hundred times in the, in the Bible... But it's only twice that it is used uh, as a noun, as, a, as something of, uh, of being like that. Uh, and one trans- translator or one commentary said uh, a more literal translation would be something like, very muchness. So you shall love the Lord your God with your very muchness. Well, it's not a, that's not a very good translation it would have some difficulty but I think I know what that very muchness is talking about it, and any of you who have uh, lived in, in a, a place for a while for maybe some years and then had to move somewhere else you know very well what very muchness is when you look around I've got to pack all of these this very muchness up into boxes and I have to take it to another place where I'm going to live and then you get there and I've got all of this very muchness and I have to pl- find a place for it. <laughs> very muchness. And I think it does refer, at least in part, to the physical things, the physical uh, uh, material that, that God has blessed us with. And he wants us to love him with all that he has blessed us with physically. Physically. And so all of our very muchness is is a reflection of God's love and provision for us and it ought to be reflected back at him. But very muchness this this uh, might is more than just simply my house, my car, my physical possessions. I think it also speaks of our time, of our talent, of our abilities, maybe even just our presence at times. You know, somebody that is, that is suffering, that is going through a hard time, sometimes that is what we have to offer, and God has given it to us. That's part of our very muchness, our ability to, to be able to spend time and to be in the presence of somebody that is going through hard times and to be a channel for God's Love. So with all our heart, our inner being, our thoughts and our emotions, all our soul, and all our might, our very muchness, uh, all that God has given to us is a reflection of God's love for us and our love for God. And then verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They should be on your heart. And you think, okay, how do I do that? How, 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 are, how are these words supposed to be on my heart? And the text gives us, gives us an idea of how to do that from verse 7. And on, It says in verse 7, You shall diligently teach them the words to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> teach diligently. Uh, once again, this is, this is a little bit of a difficulty. I think the meaning is not too hard to uh, understand from the context. But this, this verb is used, this action word is used only once in the entire Hebrew Bible. And, and there's two thoughts on how it came to be, the, the origin of the word. One of them is repetition from the word for two. When you're teaching your children, you, you say something to them and they say it back to you. You say it to them again and they say it back to you. So in a certain sense, that repetition. But the other the other origin, perhaps, of the word is from your teeth. The word for teeth is kind of cutting. It's, it's kind of incisive. We, in fact, we call, some, in English, some of our teeth are incisors. And, and, and it's the idea of teaching with in incision, with, with chiseling uh, carefully into people's thinking. And so it says, teach, recite incisively to your children. And I want to stop here for a moment. Uh, I don't know how others have been viewing it, but over the last several months, I've been listening to the, to the children uh, during the, the time here in the, in the service. And I, and I honestly have to say, some of the times when the children are responding... I am hearing the word of God coming back from them. I'm hearing it. There are parents and children's workers here in this church that are doing that, that are diligently teaching their children. You can hear it reflected from them. That's gotten to be one of, one of my favorite times in, this, in the service is to listen carefully to what, what we are hearing from our children. And so I want to encourage you to continue, to continue to do that. To continue to uh, diligently teach your children. And you shall talk of them, the words of God, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the, by the way. Uh, once again, Once again, you can see the totality of it in your house. Where you live, where you settle down, uh, talk of God's word. When you go out, then again into the into the world, going on the on the road. It's not just being there uh, in your own house. It's it's when you go out, and so you can you can see that uh, it's it's a moving uh, outward from your house. Uh, out onto, the, out, out onto the way. So just as we saw, there's a, there's a development in the whole idea of listening, and there's a whole outward movement in the sense of, uh, of the love with the teaching and the repetition and the teaching and the speaking of God's word. That also goes from the home and out onto the streets. It says also, uh, when you're lying down and you're rising, uh, that, that speaks of uh, not just place, but time, all the time. When you lie down and when you get up, it, 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 it suggests that we should be speaking of God's word uh, everywhere and any time. Anywhere and any time. And then verse 8, it says, bind them as a sign on your hand. Kind of odd, isn't it? Your hand. Uh, And then it also says, uh, uh, verse 8, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Uh, Probably you have seen uh, photographs or pictures of Orthodox Jewish people. Uh, men will, who will have, who will have on the left hand, they will have uh, strips of leather uh, on their on their arm, phylacteries. that uh, and and on that leather is inscribed uh, these words from from the Shema, and then they will they will have oftentimes a very tiny, small little leather box in which those those words are also contained. They have taken it very, very literally. You wonder, well, uh, what, does that, what does that actually mean in practice? What does it actually mean for, for me? I've spoken before uh, in a sermon about the hand and about how a hand means the physical part of your body. But it also speaks of what you do, of what has been placed under your authority, and I think that that's part of the meaning of, of it. I think that's what God is getting at here. That whatever you do with your hands, whatever work that you have found to do with your hands, uh, and that's, that could also be figurative in, in a sense as well. I know many of you uh, don't, don't work physically with your hands uh, in the same way uh, as, as others do. But whatever you put your hand to, May it be governed and controlled by the word of God. And what about what about the in on on your on your forehead? <laughs> I think it's partly it's partly how you direct your your eyes. That that when you're directing your because it says literally between your eyes, have it between your eyes to be looking at where you're looking, where you're paying attention. Uh, you, you should be paying attention with, with the word of God deeply, deeply uh, in your heart and on your, your mind. In verse 9, then, it, it takes it a step further. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Yeah, on the doorpost. In a Jewish house, you will, you will see kind of a little thing on the doorpost. It's called a mezuzah. And in that, uh, right there in the doorway, will, will be the words from here, Deuteronomy uh, 6, verse 4 and on. And they, they, they put it inside and they, and they put it on the doorpost. And, and oftentimes, when they when they go go through the doorpost, they will they will they will they will touch it, and, and and sometimes then then kiss the hand that that they touched it with. And 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 I think that the reason behind that is the idea that that whoever lives in this house lives by the word of God. And as I, as I come into the house, I live by the word of God. And as I leave the house, I live by the word of God as well. It's a testimony. Just like, the, just like that verse says, it is a testimony to who God is and, and how I follow. And it says also on the gates, on your gates, and not meaning gates like uh, perhaps on, in your garden uh, gates. These are the gates of the towns and the cities, and so it's not just your house, but it's your community. I mean, would it would it not be wonderful to have the words of God uh, in, in, inscribed on the gates to Delft? Here, you know, I, I, it would it would be wonderful to do that, to be a reminder that 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 uh, it's God who is king here or in, in Delft. God is king over all the, the, the world, as a matter of fact. And here I want to come back to two things. One, I want to come back to, to Luke, the good Dr. Luke, because in, in his gospel and then further in Acts, Uh, his idea is to show how the word of God was multiplying how it came to be how it was multiplying and filling the earth and I think that that's that's reflected here as as people go out from the gates of their city bringing God's word uh, into the the world one of the most famous uh, rabbis uh, of old uh, commentator, His, uh, he's often called Rashi. His name was Rabbi Shlomo yitzhaki and he's he's one of the most famous rabbis. And he's he's very uh, interesting and incisive uh, thinker of God's word. And he made note of the fact that uh, there's only one other place in the entire Bible that is, that is very, very closely associated with the Sh- this Shema, the hero Israel. And that's, and that's from uh, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And I'm going to read that. It says, The Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be one and his name one <sighs> chapter 14 of Zechariah is, is a difficult chapter it's complicated I can't go into it in detail it would take, it would take two or three sermons I think to, to go through all of that but what that chapter is really talking about it's, it's, a, it's a warning to be obedient to God but even more so it's encouragement of hope, hope that God is king over all the earth and he's coming again. And unlike, unlike the good rabbi Rashi, we know the name. We know that name. That name is Jesus. He is coming back. And that's our hope That's our hope, is that he is coming back. And I started speaking about this garden on a mountain that was intended to be a representation of paradise. Uh, We have something better than a photograph of Alhambra. We have revelation. And I want to just read a bit from chapter 21 and 22. Just listen. Just let that, let that word come in. And it says in, from verse 10 in chapter 21, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel. Like jasper, clear as crystal, it had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates, twelve angels, and the, on the gates, the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and the wall of the twelve had twelve the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles. Of the Lamb. And then Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. (sighs) No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. What a great hope. What a great hope we have. We may see uh, all kinds of difficulties today in the world, but we have that hope that Jesus is coming back and someday he's going to make all of this right. I feel like I want to say, come, let's go. Just like my wife said about going back to Alhambra. Come, let's go. Let us go to the mountain, to the mountain of God. I, I so look forward to that. I hope you so look forward uh, to that. And if, if somebody is listening here or, or on uh, the uh, YouTube that has not entered into God's kingdom, may this be the day that you have heard, you have listened, you've paid attention and understood who, who God is. Understood who Jesus is. And, and taken it in. Internalized it. And may you respond. Respond in obedience to, to the call of God. To, to have faith in Jesus. It's Jesus who has died on the cross for our sins rose again from the dead and is right now seated at the right hand of God the Father. So come, hear, believe. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance to you and give you peace. Shalom. And the Lord said so shall my they put place my name on the people of Israel and he says I myself will bless them Amen